She Did It Her Way podcast, episode 111, Finding Solutions with Shauna Tellerman. Welcome to the She Did It Her Way podcast, a collective of interviews with top female entrepreneurs from around the globe who have done it their way. These women are disruptors, savvy, courageous, confident, innovative, decisive, unconventional, and humble. Our ladies have proven business models, have taken risks, and have failed only for success to follow. Join us as they share their stories, behaviors, habits, mindset, thought processes, and what it is like to be a woman who means business. And now, here's your host, Amanda Bolin. Hey, She Did Her Way listeners. Welcome back for another Tech Talk Thursday. Super excited and grateful as always for you guys tuning in. This week has been insane. I can't Sometimes I forget what day of the week it is. Obviously, it's Thursday, but thinking like it's been a crazy week already. I don't know about you guys, and especially before the holidays arrive, it's this like rushing around mode to get everything done so you don't have to think about it over the holidays and until the new year. But on Tuesday, I got to speak on a panel with fellow entrepreneurs at General Assembly in Chicago, and it's all about nothing ventured, nothing gained, and how to get what you want, which... It was an awesome opportunity. I met so many amazing people there and completely inspired, and it just reminded me to never stop learning. And also, last night, we recorded our first live interview at the headquarters, at Brandless Headquarters, with Michael Donnelly, who is the CEO. And even if you guys weren't able to make it, I know it was last minute when we threw it up, and we're hoping to do more live interviews once a month after the new year, so definitely we'll get ahead of the schedule for you guys. And But we're reproducing it for an actual episode, so don't worry, you didn't miss out. You'll hear the audio at some point. And it was really cool because women, like entrepreneur.com, their women's portion allowed us to live Facebook live stream it. So you can also actually go watch it on Facebook Live, uh, Entrepreneur Women, and you can see it there. It's about 25 minutes, I think, but really, really great insight and Lots of great information, as always, from the guests that we bring on to sh- on the show. So, coming to today's guest, we have Shauna Tellerman, who is the founder of Modzi. And one of the my favorite quotes that she says in this podcast is, "Don't be so hard on yourself at any given point. Don't take it too too seriously." And I have to say that I I'm someone that I can get caught up in taking everything too seriously and Lately, like noticing that I'm harder on myself more so than I've ever been ever in the past. And it's this weird thing that's recently come around, but then also keeping perspective to to remember that like keeping, again, keeping things in perspective to not be too hard on myself and including if anyone else out there thinks and knows that they're being too hard on themselves. Like I actually didn't even know that I was being too hard on myself in the beginning. And so when I started noticing that I had some... Uh, negative chatter in my mind and like needed for everything to be perfect including the bed being made every morning I guess that's like I know it's crazy but I like have to have that made and if it if it's not made like I let it I used to let it bother me but I'm like working on not letting it bother me because it's okay like Aaron in um, episode 67 said that it's progress not perfection anyway tune in to this another tech talk Thursday with Shauna and it's all about finding solutions Thank you. Excited to be here. Yeah, well, we're excited to have you. Tell us a little bit about um, the company that you currently run, and then we'll dive into how you got to where you are with your current company. Absolutely. Well, so quick story on Monzi. I had the experience I think most consumers have had uh, where you 
are looking to design your home and you're looking at your existing home and you're looking at your Pinterest boards and house boards and catalogs and you're looking at one, you're looking at the other and saying, I still have no idea what to do. Um, <laughs> so like many That's people, actually me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And yeah, it's confusing. It's frustrating. It's hard to imagine all the possibilities. Um, and I knew that there is technology from my previous work in 3D and 3D graphics uh, that could allow us to easily visualize things actually staged in the context of our own home. And I truly believe that the future of shopping for your home and designing your home will be starting with, let me see all these design ideas actually staged in my house. And so that's what we're doing at Modsy. We make it really simple for a consumer to take a handful of pictures of their home, um, to get matched to different products and collections of items that they would likely love, to you know curate that down to the ones that are exactly what they want to see. Um, and then the magic happens behind the scenes. It all gets staged into your house. And uh, what comes back is a digital catalog that looks and feels just like it's uh, your house. Somebody broke in and stole the furniture and replaced it with new furniture, except it all happened digitally. And it's a shoppable catalog of just your own house. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So, actually, I'm going to go off on a different question than the the one about, like, how you got there. Because I just am really curious. Like, what is the process that someone goes through when they use Modsy? Or, like, how do you get the images of my house? Yeah, so it's it's really simple, like I said, for the, for the customers, two steps. Uh, when you sign up to Modsy, uh, you first take a handful of pictures of whatever room it is that you're looking to redesign. So we guide you through the process, but you just take it with your cell phone um, and upload it through our uh, mobile interface. And then... The second step is it starts with a style quiz on our site, uh, and the style quiz very quickly identifies what your kind of broad style type is. People love it, and it takes like three minutes, so you should definitely do it. It's on modsy.com right now. Um, and then after that, based on your style results, we match you back to um, a curated collection of items that we think you're going to love based on that style profile, but because everybody has nuanced tastes, uh, we give you a preview of all of those items and then allow you to actually make any kind of changes, iterations, swaps, additions that really customize that kind of, we call it a mood board, but that collection of items to your own taste. Um, and that's it. Those two things are the only things you do. They're both really fun and really simple. Um, and those two inputs go into our technology platform, which does a reconstruction of the room. So we create a 3D model of the room. Um, and then based on the products that you've chosen, we have 3D models uh, for each of those products. So they get staged into your room. Along with, uh, we do have a place where you can add in any layout requirements or any sort of special needs. So those things all get combined together, digitally staged, and then it goes through a process called rendering, which creates this photorealistic end image um, that really does look like it's your house, um, except it was all done on a computer. Um, and it produces these beautiful images at the end um, that go into our digital catalog. So you get back this kind of shoppable image uh, of your home. That's so crazy. So when did you guys first launch Modsy? Well, we've been in a, in a private beta. Uh, so we announced the company last October. We, um, we then announced our kind of funding round in January, and we've seen great, like, awesome waves of uh, early beta customer interest from both of those PR events. Um, and that's pretty much it. We've just been in a kind of closed beta since then, taking customers and making sure the product's really great. And we are um, gearing up and very, very close to our full consumer launch, which will be announced soon. Wow, that is so, that is super cool and so exciting. Okay, so now tell us how you got, 
like your your journey and then deciding that okay modzi is solving this pros- problem yeah so this is my second startup my first startup was also a 3d related company that i started very accidentally out of graduate school <laughs> so not not a smooth path into entrepreneurship um i was working on a project and enough people kind of said why don't you start a company and I naively thought, sure, that sounds like a fun thing to do. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, yeah, spun, a, spun out my first company um, out of graduate school, uh, kind of realized the hard way everything that is hard about being an entrepreneur, um, ran it for five years, and we were acquired by Autodesk. The original, that 3D company was um, about making 3D games easier to create, um, but the kind of thing that we did that was special was we put everything into a hosted environment in the cloud, right, as cloud was becoming a, a thing. Um, and so, yeah, so then post-acquisition, um, in a big corporate structure, I had a great time for about a year, and by the second year I was thinking, I really think I want to start a company again. Um, I had uh, an opportunity right at that point to join Google Ventures, and so decided before diving back into entrepreneurship sitting on the other side of the table and seeing the world from a, um investor and venture capital point of view would be really valuable before I started my next company. Um, so I joined Google Ventures for two years and had a phenomenal experience there, really learned a lot, but uh, literally the story I told at the beginning about my own space and having this problem happened about two months after joining Google Ventures. <laughs> so I spent about a year and a half thinking about this idea um, noodling on it, talking about it to people, vetting it, um, and also watching some of the technology continue to mature. And there was just this point where I woke up one morning, I had been thinking about it all night, and I was still thinking about it in the morning, and I was like, I have to go do this, It's t- the time is now. Um, and that was a little less than two years ago. Wow. Okay. Going back to Google Ventures, what was what were like some of the, the key takeaways that you learned that really stood out to you so that you could carry that with you when you co-founded Modzi? Yeah, I mean there was there was a lot, but kind of boiling down a couple of big ones. Um, I think first and foremost, understanding that an investor and a venture capitalist they they also have a, a goal and they also have a way that they're being evaluated which is primarily um, returned on in the, their investment right so with limited amounts of capital they have to go through hundreds and hundreds per week of potential investments to select you know a handful each year that they believe really will uh, have outsized returns on the, the limited capital that they have to spend against only a very limited number of companies. Um, and when you think about it that way, it feels a lot less personal, I think, for an entrepreneur when you're pitching venture capitalists mm-hmm. to realize that not every VC and not every investor is really going to say yes. In fact, most are going to say no. And um, likelihood is very low that they say yes. And it's not at all personal to your business. Your business still may be very successful, but they're you know, their uh, obligation is extremely high to be able to show that the money that they put to work can uh, can have a return. So they're going to use like a very short screening list. So that was kind of one valuable perspective. The other one is like I, I kind of came away with three three specific things that I would look for in, in a company and an entrepreneur. Um, and I used it against myself too. Um, you know, number one is the obvious one, which is, you know, is the space big enough? Like are they going after... Um, a, uh, a product, an industry, a solution space that um, 
that is large enough to even have a potentially large return, right? Like some, some niche markets are not very big, so therefore the company itself can't get very big. So is the market large? Um, number two, are these entrepreneurs, um, are they uniquely situated or uniquely positioned to understand this opportunity they're going after? So that may be that they have some past experience, past history, they've spent most of their career in this space. Um, it could be something very, very near and dear to them, personal to them, or they're the profile of customers, so they really understand it uniquely. Um, and then the last one is, do they have the personal passion around it? Right? Like at the end of the day, you're going to do this for many years, and you're going to put your like heart and soul into it in many, many hours. And it has the problem has to matter. You have to be excited about that problem every day, and so that passion has to be obvious. So those are my three big tip, my three big valuation criteria. Yeah, I mean, what what was it? What um, I know, right? It's Monday. I can't even speak. Um, <laughs> what for you and your your personal experience? When were you pushed to the max that you're like, I have to dig so deep right now to keep going because if I don't and I stop and think about it, I'm going to stop, like throw in the towel. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what's what's crazy is that um, you are pushed to the max all the time, but when you really care, and I know this now from personal experience twice, when it's your company and you care about the thing that you're building and you really want to see it happen in the world, you, you know, there is, there is kind of no end, right? Like you will just keep going and you don't have to kind of talk yourself into like why this problem has to be solved or this product should exist. It's just natural to you that it should. And so, um, you know, so there's definitely moments, lots of moments where it's like, this is hard and oh my God, I'm tired. And <laughs> oh my gosh, like this thing's not working. That thing's not working. That's super normal. But like the idea of quit is just like not in my vocabulary and it hasn't been for either of my companies and when I think about on the investment side what I was looking for was the same thing I didn't want the person who was going to roll over the moment it got really hard saying yeah it's probably not gonna work out I'm just gonna like you know sell this for you know 20 cents on the dollar and move on with my life um, you know they there is a moment where every company kind of sees whether they can make it or not, but I'd like to see the, the entrepreneur really play it out all the way to the end um, and find an, a conclusion rather than give up early. Mm. Yes, true true to that. When you first started, when you went out on your own and launched your first company, did you have a support system or was that just organically built through the connections you made? I didn't really have a support system at the beginning. Um, the university a little bit, um, but not that many people who knew a lot about startups. Um, so it, it was actually a struggle at the beginning. I got very lucky um, at one point in that I got connected to a alumni who had become an entrepreneur and then a, a VC in Silicon Valley and she really took me under her wings and introduced me to a ton of people out here in Silicon Valley. and. I had been living in Pittsburgh at the time. I actually moved out to Silicon Valley and kind of through her networking connections, really at that point built a pretty sophisticated um, set of advisors and mentors. Before that, I, I spent a lot of time just like reading anything I could read and talking to anybody I could I could talk to who I could convince to give me twenty minutes. But it was it was tough. Mm -hmm. What do you? Um now, like specifically talking like in the tech scene with your your startup, what's been the biggest hurdle getting 
Modsy off the ground and being a viable working beta? You know, it, it flipped. It's interesting because the economic times around you matter a lot as well. So when we started, um, so I, you know, kind of rolling back, I started the company last February 2015, um, you know, raised a small seed round and, and hired the first people in June. So it's a little over a year old in that way. How big is your um, staff? We're now uh, about 30 people. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I did see that. I wish I, I want to be Whisper. How do I get that job? <laughs> <laughs> what is Whisper? Whisper is like the chief. He's the no. He's the C CFO, aka Chief Fund Officer. I want that. I want that job. Yep. Sorry. Stop. Okay, I didn't mean to throw you off. Okay. Um, yeah. But yeah. So you're talking about the economic turnaround with yeah. the larger macro environment matters a lot. So that was initially hiring people was really challenging because there were a lot of startups and a lot getting funded and every company was doing well and it was one of those moments where everything looked like you know how could anything be bad Silicon Valley's on fire right so um, one we were uh, in stealth mode so we had no website <laughs> nobody knew what the product was and nothing was ever talked about about the company um, and at that point it was you know handful of people and an idea so joining it was definitely risk more risky so at the very beginning you know finding great people and convincing them to join us took a lot of time and energy and you know there were definitely moments where I was like oh my god are we ever gonna hire the people we need to hire <laughs> oh my gosh so then you did you hire a bunch of people and then have to let them go or did were you like at a point where at the beginning you hired you did hire the right people we did hire yeah we definitely we hired it took longer than I wanted it to I thought you know kickoff and it was kind of April May kickoff in April May we'll just like hire six people out of the gates and be off and running and it was more like we got two people in June one more person in August and then two more people in October and so it was a lot slower than I thought it would be but you know it's a combo of both great opportunities out there you know stealth company with no information and um, and us also being quite picky about who we would hire. So all of that factored into uh, what I thought would take us two months took us more like five to six months. Wow. What was it like onboarding your employees and communicating the vision and the goal of what you wanted Modsy to, to be and, and is today? I mean, that's the best part. I love telling the story. <laughs> so I can tell this story like 500 times every day. Um, and so I did really enjoy that part of the recruiting, which was sharing with them the vision of where we're headed and getting them really excited about how, you know, we're really going to change the way that people design their homes. And I think homes are such a, such an important part of making you happy and making the environment that you spend time in relaxing, like living, sometimes working, um, a, a productive and happy place for you, right? And so that's not true for a lot of people in their homes. And it isn't because they can't get there. It's because the means to get there today is really frustrating and challenging. And and I feel like there's this really simple thing that we do in every other consumer setting, which is trying something on and testing it um, that we can't do when, with home design that is about to change. And so that vision, I think, as I communicated it and I showed them the plan and I showed them the technology we were going to develop and all of these pieces, um, you know, people people definitely got really excited. Yeah. I mean, who do you guys find to be your target audience? It's a consumer 25 to 45 going through all of their kind of life change stages, right? Moving and moving into mm -hmm. the first home and with significant other, having a baby, et cetera. 
Um, that's when you tend to be thinking about home and, and, a, and a space that you may be for a couple years, maybe not forever. Um, and, uh, you know, we do, we have seen that there are a lot of people kind of um, in urban environments, although it's quickly spread out of urban environments into more suburban and all over the country, because uh, I do think that this problem set resonates with everybody around mm-hmm. the country. Oh, yeah, I would definitely say that. I mean, I think about, I don't, I'm the, I'm definitely, I go on Pinterest, I'm like, oh, this looks really, really cute, and I'm like, oof, but it's so overwhelming to have to, like, figure out how to put it together. I'm like, someone do it for me, please. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then other than the space just sits, like, empty. So, no, this is awesome. What, let's talk a little bit about just, like, how you operate as a person, as Shauna and an entrepreneur. I mean, do you ever get overwhelmed? And then if so, what does it look like for you to find that sense of calm and clarity again? Yeah, I mean, I, I do get overwhelmed. It usually is, I find the results of myself putting too much on my plate. So I find that I go in these like waves where I will be like, oh my God, at max capacity, there's too much going on. Let me start dwindling down the number of things that I am taking on. And then I'll like, you know, I've reduced it down to a point where all of a sudden I have a little more space and then I'm, I get bored so fast and I'm like, I'm bored. I need to fill my plate back up. <laughs> So I don't know that I've like mastered any kind of balance, but uh, <laughs> but I find that those are the two modes I tend to operate in. Mm-hmm. I like personally, I like I like to run or do yoga, and like I always get enough sleep, and I like try to just take care of myself physically, which I think means that my energy levels don't fluctuate too hugely. It tends to only fluctuate when I've overwhelmed myself with too much going on, and then I can easily correct that within like a week. Massive, I massive fan of sleep. It's so important. So important. Super. I, I mean, I really can't function without it. So I'm kind of envious of those people who can because once in a while, you know, you have a late night and you have to get up early. And for me, it's like, well, now this whole day is just going to be a disaster. <laughs> like, mm. I can't think. <laughs> You're like, and put the IV of coffee in, please. Um, exactly. How have you changed as a person from when you first started getting into entrepreneurship to now? a good question I, I I would say the number one thing is um, it's probably a confidence level I think I have been equally enthusiastic and excited about things I'm doing from day one um, but there's a confidence level around knowing that even when things don't work out you are gonna figure something out that only gets gained after seeing how many things go wrong <laughs> and how often you are wrong and then correcting it and everything being you know maybe different than you had planned, but still fine. And that gives me a sense of comfort and confidence that I think I didn't have my first time around. Yeah, and I think that's so powerful. I know I was talking to someone else and they were talking about the confidence gap and how if you get used to taking the risks and then figuring out the problems afterwards, it's just, it becomes a comfort thing. And then you're like, oh, it's not as scary. I've been here before, like things hit the fan. Like it's all good. No one's gonna die, hopefully. Exactly. Exactly. It's like with anything else, like the faster you just pull off the band-aid, the better it is for everybody. And you realize like, oh, nothing's, nothing's ever as bad as you think it's going to be. Things can be bad, but they can never be re- like really as horrible as you've played it up in your head thinking about how potentially bad it could be. <laughs> yes, that is so true. How do you, um, what are some of your favorite apps that you use to help like, that you just like love and rave about? 
Uh, I have two in the business. I mean, one for me has already saved so much time and taken away the thing I, I would like to do the least is uh, Gusto. I use it for payroll and now benefits. It oh. is literally the thing I just don't want to think about. Um, I want my employees to be paid. I want them to, you know, all the tax stuff to be taken care of, etc. I hate even thinking about it for a second and they have great customer support and they've just done a beautiful job and um, I think I've become their number one advocate. Uh, so I talk about all the time. <laughs> Are they similar to like Zenefits? Um, they well, they used to have a similar name. They were Zen Payroll before. They're now Gusto. Um, mm. Similar. They're a little bit older. Um, they started with payroll primarily, not benefits, and they just added on benefits. And I mean, it's just I think they did a really good job of building it out in a really um, like streamlined, secure, just really works kind of way, so you can trust them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have, you know, for the times that things get wrong, like that there is something that goes wrong, it can be really stressful because it is your payroll or your benefits. Uh, their customer support is just on top of it. So um, I have huge admiration for them as a company, too, because of all of those things. Uh, so they've built a great product. I love it. Um, it saved me time, and I'm, like, so happy <laughs> to, about to be using it. Um, the second one is Slack. I mean, I think that one everybody probably talked about, but... Uh, I don't like email, and it, it took our volume of internal team email probably down by, I'm going to guess, like, you know, 90% of what it would have been had we not had a communication tool like Slack. We do most of our communicating as a team through Slack. Man, that's impressive. That's awesome. Yeah, I've heard people, they're really, people like Slack, Asana, um, there's like one, there's another one, Trello. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those were yeah, we really- some of them. We haven't loved any project management tools. We, we use like Jira internally. We've tried a bunch of these different ones. Um, just none of them quite fit our work, like our work style as a, as a group, but I'm sure they're great products. Yeah. Okay. What are you, um, if you weren't, well, okay. What are you most proud of right now? Um... I think the, the number one thing is having brought together this incredible group of people that come from a, such a wide variety of backgrounds and skill sets and are truly diverse. Like we have people from uh, every gender, race, ethnicity, like age, etc. on our team right now. Um, to bring them together and to see the magic that happens when people start collaborating to build towards a single goal, it's just an there's an energy when you're in that creative process and you have that many kind of unique perspectives on what's going on that is like is the reason I got into tech that is like what attracted me to everything I'm doing in the first place um and I you know very much hope we build something that is like breakthrough and life-changing but at the end of the day it's so much of the journey when you're doing anything you spend so much of your life working that I'm just really proud of having you know, been a part of and, um, and to some degree pulled together this team of people that are just a really special team. Mm-hmm. What did, uh, what did you want to be when you were growing up? I changed all the time. I think I was probably one of those kids who was like, what I know for sure is I don't know what I want to be. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, don't make me choose. Exactly. I was very artistic. I did, um, I did like summer painting programs. I learned to oil paint when I was like in high school. I was headed down that path. My parents were always encouraging me. I went to art school um, for undergrad, um, got a fine arts degree. So 
I I think that um, a lot of people assumed I would be an artist and I knew I would do something artistic, but I knew I didn't want to be like a painter when I grew up. So it made me feel very uncertain about what the right path was, um, which actually ironically opened up the path to do kind of anything I wanted. And now you're at your company, which is fantastic. Okay, the last question I have for you is what, I, I know it's so cliche, but like, what is that one piece of advice that you would give my listeners who are listening in and whether they're thinking about starting their own company or they are in it that like, just that one nugget that got you through like any sort of question that you had for what you're about to do? I think the key is not like, don't be so hard on yourself and at any given point, don't take it too, too seriously. Because <laughs> like we were saying before, overthinking it, being too worried, being too stressed out is going to have impacts both on, on your own health, um, on your potential to take the leap, um, and on the people that you work with. And so staying in that mindset that like, it's going to be okay, we're going to figure it out allows you to stay in a positive mindset, which then I think spreads to everybody else around you and also allows you to take those like leaps that may seem super scary, but are really the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. I love it. Well, Shauna, thank you so much for your time and your energy today. I know the listeners will love this edition of Tech Talk Tuesday. I really appreciate your time. Absolutely. This was a blast. Thank Absolutely. You. Have a great day. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to the She Did It Her Way podcast. Did you like this episode? Head on over to iTunes.com to leave us a rating and a review. We would love to hear from you. And don't forget to check out SheDidItHerWayPodcast.com where you can subscribe to our email list so you can receive the inside scoop on our latest episode released each Monday. Now, do us a favor and go make it a great week.